This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, an accidental missile strike landing in Poland put the world on edge. But what did Ukrainians think of the ordeal? How did they see it? Lawyer and democracy advocate Mikhailo Zerdikov joins us from Ukraine and gives us the latest on the war and NATO's role in supporting Ukraine. Would you feel guilty about stepping on a spider? What if you knew it had feelings? Biologist Dr. Mark Moffat, Dr. Bug, tells us if insects have feelings and what could be going on inside their tiny little brains because bees will choose to play with balls and skip a meal. Plus, we play everyone's favorite radio game show, Game Showy. Brendan Kelly and myself go head-to-head with creepy crawly questions about the bugs we talk about with Dr. Bugs. This is the Shift Podcast. It's time to play the game. That's right. It's time for Game Showy. The Game Show on the Radio, where we go head-to-head, battling it out for pride and joy and whatever points Ryan O'Donnell decides we're playing for. Earlier in the shift, we talked about bugs. So we're going to do more bugs. Here's your host, Ryan O'Donnell. Why, thank you, Bob. Or should I say, bug? (laughs) We learned a lot about bugs tonight, but I'm going to test your knowledge. Were you paying attention when Mark Moffat, Dr. Bug, was talking about how amazing these creatures are? We'll find out. And maybe you know some stuff that even he doesn't. Actually, that's probably doubtful. Here is how Game Showy works. The greatest trivia on the radio. Our contestants... Brendan Kelly and Shane Hewitt will pick a question and difficulty, that is Brendan, of said question. Now, today Mm. we're playing for magnifying glasses so you can Mm. find the bugs. And Brendan, you can't complain about the prize because it's not edible this time. So no complaining. It's Mm kind of weird, though. All the weird kids use the magnifying glasses to burn the bugs. It's weird. No burning the bugs, only observing. I have to, there is a a statute attached. Okay. You have to sign a waiver saying you won't torture innocent insects. Okay. We're they doing have the feelings thing on bugs, and we're doing. Um, we're gonna we're gonna burn them. It's gone well so far. They got feelings. Oh, super well. Okay, so playing for magnifying glasses. One magnifying glass is an easy question. Three is a very difficult question. If mm-hmm. you get it right, you will hear this. I am a cute little bumblebee. Yeah, a cute little bumblebee. Yeah. If it is wrong, however. Ooh, the flies are coming and it's worth knowing that if you get the question wrong the opponent has five seconds to steal the answer if they know it now Mm. we have three questions or sorry three categories of questions to choose from tonight we have the animal kingdom bizarre bugs and anatomy all around insects and we also have the one the only your favorite the text line special, which sounds like this. Wow. When you hear that sound, that means we have stumbled across the hidden question. It's hidden right in the show, completely at random. One of these contestants is going to pick it and could win two magnifying glasses if the answer is right. The trick is they don't get to answer the question. Only you do, the listeners. So get your phones ready if you're able. 877-399-9898. 
Text in the answer to this question if you know it, and you could be the deciding factor in the game. So here is the question. I'll give you the number, 877-399-9898. Your question is this. What is the most commonly eaten insect by humans around the world? Is it ants, grasshoppers, spiders, or beetles? What bug do humans eat the most? Ants, grasshoppers, spiders, or beetles? Text in your answer now, and you could be the game changer in this edition of Game Showy. That's right, Shift Heads. You can play along to Game Showy. If you know the answer to that question, text it in now, 877-399-9898, and you could help Shane or BK win the game. Get it wrong, though. Nobody gets the points. Our categories, Animal Kingdom, Bizarre Bugs, and Anatomy. Bob? All right. Thanks, Bob. Let's get this started. I believe BK was the winner at the last second with a steel oh, victory in our last yeah. edition of Game Showy. Like usual. Which, uh, odd, well, but Shane, odd, you right? just you just chatted with Dr. Bugs, so the mm-hmm. information is fresh in your brain, so perhaps okay. you have a little bit of advantage here. Where are we going first? Well, I'm going to go to the place that says, if you did not catch our chat with Dr. Bug, keep listening or grab our podcast, because that's a great way to hear the Dr. Bug and what he has to say. Well, let's go with uh, the animal kingdom for one magnifying glass here. Uh, actually, you know what, Ry? I'm going to go with three yeah. magnifying glasses Whoa. off the hop. We're going Whoa. deep on the animal Whoa. kingdom here. Whoa. Okay. Whoa. All right. Shane, uh, okay. the animal kingdom is made up of, you know, prey and predators. Mm. What insect is considered to be the most successful predator in the animal kingdom? Is it? And I will say that all of the options here are considered the tops, but one of them comes out above the rest. Is it dragonflies, mm-hmm. ladybugs, mm-hmm. spiders, mm-hmm. or ants? Whew. What in what insect is the most successful predator in the animal kingdom? Okay, ants, uh, not real predatory. They're just kind of like garbage men. Um, spiders, that could be a thing because they eat lots of stuff. Um, ladybugs, everybody loves ladybugs, and dragonflies are pretty. So because everybody loves ladybugs, I'm actually going with ladybugs, Rye, because, I mean, ladybugs, they're pretty, but, you know, they... You know, you, that's why they might be underestimated. I'm going ladybugs. Okay. Well, Shane, ladybugs are predators and are capable of consuming about 50 aphids a day and can eat like yep. 5,000 in less than a year. Yeah, However, the uh-huh. they are not the most no. successful predator. Very close, but that is incorrect. Oh, Brendan Kelly, you've got five seconds Get to some steal. Bug spray. Uh, I don't know. Spires? Spiders, spooky spiders is incorrect. It is not spiders. Really? So nobody gets the points, but I will tell you what is. Dragonflies are the most successful predators. In fact, a recent study says they might be the most efficient killers in the entire animal kingdom, more so than lions. They are responsible for regulating most insects around their habitats because they kill so many other insects. Spiders do a lot of that, just not as often and as much as dragonflies. I only see dragonflies doing two things, uh, chasing each other 
Yep. Or trying to get off the grill of the car. I always see a really long lineup outside the Dragonfly in Niagara Falls. It was a, <laughs> it was a killer good. of your Saturday mornings because you were always yeah. so hungover, right? You ever DJ there? No. no. Not the Dragonfly. No, my buddy Mike did, though. Oh, nice. DJ Ozzy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, oh, yeah, back well, to game, okay. shall we? Um, Let's get back to game, shall we? Brendan <laughs> Kelly, you're up. No points awarded that. Uh-oh. Oh, we lost Ryan. Oh, no. Do, do okay, I... well, no points awarded on that one while Ryan figures it out. Nope, oh, there, there you go. Back. Back. Okay. No, nope, now he's gone. He's gone again. Can right. you hear me now? Uh, <laughs> well, this is funny. We okay. see Ryan on a Zoom call, so his lips are flapping, but we can't hear him. Okay. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I've got Ryan's questions here, BK. I'll just keep, while Ryan figures that out, let's You're keep going with Game Showy. It's your chance to go, and um, you got three categories, Animal Kingdom, Bizarre Bugs, and Anatomy. Uh, which one do you pick? I'll go with anatomy for uh, the one there. Just the one. Uh, since we're number at zero. one. Okay, Ryan's linking me to his answer sheet for this question. Just um, this question. Okay, now I got the question. Here's the question and answer. So I can't, obviously, you better get it right because yeah, I can't you can guess because I know the answer now. Yeah. Um, what is the, uh, for one magnifying glass, what is the primary purpose of an insect's antenna? Is it to touch and smell, finding a mate, Communication, or all of the above? Uh, ooh, I thought I knew it until you said all of the above. Um, but I know that definitely it does the touch and smell thing. So I'm going to go with touch mm-hmm. and smell. Touch and smell is the um, is the that's your guess? Uh, yeah, because I don't think it is finding a mate. That's more just doesn't? like that's if they're doing sit ups and stuff. You don't think so? Yeah. No. <laughs> That just depends on, like, their physical physique and maybe uh, how much they got in the Honey Bank account. The Honey Bank account. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dirty porno bugs here. Okay, yes, absolutely right. Touch and smell is the correct answer. Oh, congratulations. You are a cute little bumblebee. Yeah. Um, The anatomy of bugs for BK means one nothing uh, for Brennan Kelly, and I think we have Ryan O'Donnell back. I, I could hear you guys the whole time. I have no idea what happened, but oh, hello. No. If I yeah. no, we couldn't yeah, hear you. Okay, all right, fun. Okay, right. well, great job, Brennan. We're up one nothing. Shane, yeah. it's up to you. Where are we going? Oh, uh, boy, I think I'm going to go with uh, Animal Kingdom for three. Did not pan out for me very well. Uh, so I'm going to go with Bizarre Bugs for two magnifying glasses. For two, for two. Well, lucky for you, it's a dragonfly. Uh, question oh great how do some female dragonflies avoid mating with uh undesirable mates <laughs> do they change their Have gender uh uh-huh. bite off the male's head oh my play dead or hide okay so how does a female dragonfly avoid mating with undesirable males mm-hmm. uh changing their gender i don't know uh, biting off the male's head. That sounds more like an after you do it thing. Um, playing dead or hiding. Hiding is pretty good, but I'm, I'm going to go to, um, I'm going to go into the human sphere for this one, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to lean into that the, the females, um, probably say they're too tired or have a headache. And so, or I have to work early in the morning. So that to me sounds more like playing dead. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say female dragonflies play dead to avoid, uh, meeting 
with undesirable males, a.k.a. husbands. Well, uh, a.k.a. husbands. Well, the answer, Shane, is correct. Yes, they play That's dead. So you're telling me of all the dragonflies that are stuck to the grill of my car, they might not actually be dead. They could just be hiding from their husbands. Well, so what they do is when an, they choose their mates and when an undesirable approaches, they will drop from the air and lie motionless on the ground. And it apparently works very well. Uh, University in Zurich uh, studied that, and yeah, it's uh, well, it's got some, it's got some good. I hope it works well. Otherwise, that this whole conversation gets really weird about what dragonflies get up to. Yeah, 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 they're just interesting creatures. All right, BK. Yeah, you're down one magnifying glass. Okay, well, I'll just go with um, Animal Kingdom there for two to go up for by one. Uh, you. Well, congratulations, good sir, because you just stumbled across the tax line special. Wow. This is a question for the listeners and the listeners only. So, Brendan, if you know the answer, sorry, you can't tell it to me. The question we pose to you at 877-399-9898, I'll give you some extra time to get your answers in, is this. What is the most commonly eaten insect around the world by humans what do we eat the most of the options were ants grasshoppers spiders or beetles 877-399-9898 we got lots of texts mm-hmm. lots there. spiders doug from ontario thinks ants a couple for grasshoppers catherine surrey grasshoppers on charlie the email yeah charlie grasshoppers denise grasshoppers and uh, just now, Jake from Vancouver, grasshoppers, grasshoppers, lots of grasshoppers coming in on the text line. And that answer, Brendan, lucky for you, is correct. Isn't there something about fucking grasshoppers? I'm going to give you a stat that's probably going to surprise you. 80% of the world's population eats insects as a part of their regular diet. Really? 80% of humans eat insects as a regular part of their diet. Just not, it's not common in North America, but around the world, the rest of it, a chocolate covered grasshopper, it's got some protein. Yeah. I feel like of any of the things that would have bugs in it, it would be like Caesar salad dressing because it has all kinds of weird stuff in it that people would never know anchovies. is there. You know? yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anchovies right? in it. All right. Yep. Okay, our three categories are Animal Kingdom, Bizarre Bugs, Anatomy here. It's game showy. I'm Shane Hewitt. That's Ryan O'Donnell. BK and I are battling it out. What's the score, Ryan? The score is currently three to two for BK. Okay. All right. So then I'm going to go with Anatomy of Bugs for three magnifying glasses, right? For three magnifying glasses. Shane, this is a very simple question, but it's not easy. Right. What organ do insects not have electric oh sorry. <laughs> hammond <laughs> <laughs> what organ do insects not have a heart brain stomach mm-hmm. or lungs mm-hmm. hmm well insects do not have that's weird well of course they have a stomach because they eat things although for the amount that they fly into the window i would be curious if they have brains they've got to have a heart um and lungs of course they're gonna have lungs oh that's weird it's tough. um uh a b c d a b c d heart brain lung stomach well i i'm gonna go um i'm going c on this math test my friends because i have no C-, idea like c-, c oh c is always safe i'm going for c 
uh, lungs. safe, which is which is lungs. And uh, well, we'll just have to see. Let me go through my book here. Do, 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 do. Shane, that's correct. It no. is lungs. Really? Yes. How's that possible? Okay, let me tell you. How. Insect respiration is accomplished without lungs. In most cases, air is taken in through openings in the sides of the abdomen and the thorax, which are called spiracles, and transported directly to tissue cells using tracheal tubes. So they don't have the space for lungs. They do it, you know, through the sides, and it goes. The oxygen goes directly to their cells without the need for breathing. Huh. Through huh. our traditional means. So there you go. I also didn't know that bugs had spiracles. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. Shane is now in the lead. Five Ooh. to three magnifying Uh-oh. glasses. Um, okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go for the two for the anatomy to tie it, which then means one of us will have to get the next question correct. Okay. And that Ooh. would be a one. Oh, wait. So no. You then you'll right. pick a one. No. I'll go for the three. I'll go to the lead. Oh, here we go. He's going deep. <laughs> He's going deep. Okay. All right. Let's see what happens here. Bugs. Brendan, what is the only insect? This is in Bizarre Bugs, by the way, category. Three magnifying glasses. What is the only insect in the world that is endemic, meaning it can be found naturally on the continent of Antarctica? Yeah. Is it <laughs> the midge fly, which is just basically a very small fly? Uh-huh. Uh, an ant. I'm not going to go into deep depths of species here because I you. don't expect you to know the deep <laughs> species of the insects on the earth. So we have the midge fly, ants, aphids, or beetles. What type of insect is can only be found on Antarctica endemically? Well, I really want it to be between the two that I don't really know what they are. Um, the midge fly and the aphids. You don't know what aphids are? No, what the hell's an aphid? Oh my you god, you would they're know it when you prairies. see it. They're, uh, yeah, they're I'm like I'm an Ontario boy. Mosquitoes. They're like they're like white. You don't really see them till you get super up close and then like you walk yellow. through a cloud of them. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then they get like in your eyes and stuff. It's terrible. So that makes me think they like dry, dry places, right? Mm-hmm. Dry. True. It is Antarctica. Dry. So it could be an aphid. I also like Midge Fly because it reminds me of Scottish singer Midgeure from Ultravox. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is why we're on the radio yeah, and we're not academics, by it. the way. I'm going to go, yeah, I'll go with Midgeure there from Ultravox, the dancing Midge. with tears in my eyes. Yeah, okay, well, you're not going to have tears in your eyes because that is the correct answer. Don't yes, the Midge Fly. Thank you, Midger. The only true insect on the southernmost continent is a wingless midge called the Bel- Belgica Antarctica. It's, it's only 0.8 to 0.23 inches, but it is still the largest terrestrial animal on Antarctica because there's just nothing there. That's Dan- it. Dancing with aphids in my eyes. See? Oh, yeah, there you go. Okay. All right, so what's the score, right? What's the update? What do I got to do here? Uh, well, it's uh, it's uh, it's six to five. So Shane, you got to go for two or tie it. I got to go for two because I got to win here. So that means some yep. um, of the categories: Animal Kingdom, Bizarre Bugs, and Anatomy. I'm going two magnifying glasses for Anatomy. Let's do it. Hit me, Shane. Yes. What Ryan. insect is considered to have the most painful sting in the world? Mm-hmm. 
is it the bullet ant the black widow spider Mm -hmm. the fire ant or the hawk wasp hawk wasp Ooh, that's interesting um um okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna go smaller because smaller is always scarier like when you go for a massage and your massage therapist is little and that's always the ones that hurt so um hawk wasp i'm taking out black widow too easy fire ant or bullet ant uh going with the ants uh fire ant feels more like just a longer burny thing and the bullet ant feels like it's more painful i'm going bullet ant uh what insect has the most painful sting bullet ant for the win i will say if you're the right Mm-hmm. And uh, you just shot a dead eye, my friend. That is the correct answer. A bullet yes! ant. We celebrate, but if you were stung by a bullet ant, you would feel it for up to four hours. And wow. the pain is so bad, you feel it across your entire body, and it has been described to be as getting shot in the chest by a bullet. So if you see one, uh, don't go near it. Oh, wow. How do they know that? Do they study that? Is there someone who like creates this uh, little... If you actually uh, go up on YouTube and look up Coyote Wild on YouTube, this is a guy uh, who will literally voluntarily get stung by everything, and he voluntarily was stung by a bullet ant and described uh-huh. it so you can see what it's like to be stung by one without actually getting stung by one. Wow. There we go, my friends. That's Game Showy here on The Shift. Bugs. On the podcast with Dr. Bugs, Shane wins by guessing the answers to most questions. Brendan Kelly loses. It's about time. Oh, nuts. Well, I got Ultravox in there, so you did. in my that heart, was I win. It was very good. How am I going to um, get Ultravox on the shift tonight? That's what I said yeah. when I woke up this morning. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to get your insects and pets spayed or neutered here on The Shift. This is The Shift Podcast. We go across the planet to the other side over in Ukraine right now. It's been busy again. I feel like I say that every single week when we have conversations with our friends there. Joining me now from Kiev is Mikhailo Zernikov. Um, Mikhailo is uh, a lawmaker and a DeJure Foundation, which uh, I finally looked up what DeJure means, uh, Mikhailo. Um, I'm assuming yeah. that uh, the de facto DeJure, is that is that the name? Because since you're one of the founders of the group, is that where the name comes from about that forward-thinking, creating the future of Ukraine and the laws around it? Is that is that really where that name comes from? Well, it's a, it's a little wordplay. Uh, first of all, hi, Shane. Hi, everybody. And thanks for having me again. And um, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a little wordplay on uh, the jure is, is a very, you know, kind of legal uh, Latin phrase, which, yeah, means as something according to the law. You know, which we aspire to to have yeah, the way, here in Ukraine. The, the where, way the where, law should where, be, where, I think, is the way exactly. that it's the, by definition. Yep. Exactly. But at the same time as these six letters, they come from the words democracy, just three forms. So wow. it's two to each, uh, the beginning of each word, which uh, kind of is what we are doing. So, um, yeah, it's 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 where this is where it comes from. That's very cool. Um, yeah. So for everybody else, uh, de facto is what the law black and white says. 
And de jure is J-U-R-E, by definition, is what the law is believed that it should be or should represent. And so um, kind of neat play on words. And I only put those together about your organization here in the last few days. So was thinking about you. And, of course, uh, things have been going on. How is everybody? Uh, how's it going? I know that um, I thought of you when that barrage of rockets this weekend, um, or I guess this mm-hmm. week hit, and there was some apartment buildings and such. I mean, it hit Kiev, it hit Lviv, it all kinds of places. Everybody's okay? Is everybody okay Hello. there, Mikhailo? Sorry, did you get me? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, I, it was it was breaking a little bit. It, it may be connected to uh, to the uh, you know to the brushes you were talking about because yeah. you know it's increasingly the 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 infrastructure is being damaged and uh, you know it it both uh, has to do with um, you know networks like electricity and. Uh, um, water and another supply, but also the, the, the mobile network. So sorry for that. Um, right now, speak actually. Um, it's first of all, it's the first day of snow. Well, I opened the windows today, and and it's snowing, and the snow you know lies in the roofs and and, and everywhere. So it's beautiful. It's usually my uh, f- my favorite day in the year probably because I, I absolutely love it but at the same time there's another air raid alarm as, as we speak there's now um other missiles missiles flying to ukrainian cities including kiev uh so i heard the booms uh this morning um that that was probably um the air defense our air defense not not the missile uh hopefully not missile um uh, um something but uh yeah it's it's now it's now like full scale another i don't know i hope it's not as intense but, uh, who knows? So there, there's there's now uh, again as we speak, missiles are flying uh, our way. Well, let's just uh, set this up right now. If we do lose you uh, on connection, we will phone you back. And if something happens where you have to r- run and hide, uh, don't worry about us. Just you know, you do what you need to do for the sake of being um, sure, getting thanks, that clear. Thanks, thanks okay. Shane. Hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully not. Yeah, well, of course, um, that would be uh, dreadful. I, I mean, I worry. It's not about me, um, but I mean, you're living it. But when I hear these new these news stories, um, it's it's this thing, this strange way of being, Mikhailo, because. I, you don't really know from the outside. I don't really know what to do, right? And I'm. It made me curious as to what you do because sometimes you don't really want to know the answer, but you want to check in with people, make sure they're okay. But at the same time, yeah. you don't want to be over dramatic and scare people either because they might not be hearing the same information that you're hearing. So I, I was thinking when I was these 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 missile attacks had happened, the hundred hundred rockets or whatever it was in the last few days, and the apartment buildings and these things. You know, at what point when you check in with your family and your friends around Ukraine. Because for me, from the outside, I can send you a message. Don't really know when do I do that. I mean, you've got more important things to, to worry about than than me because I'm not there. You've got family. You've got friends. But at what point do you reach out to your family and friends, in your case, your staff, your coworkers, t- to make sure mm-hmm. everybody's okay? Because the way this has been going, you would be checking in with them, in some cases, three or four times a day. Uh, well, yeah, Um that's um you know we're getting believe it or not we're getting kind of more and more used to these things so it doesn't you know the first ones the first i mean apart from the 24th when everybody was uh 24th of february i mean when the big war started uh the war with russia was actually is going for for uh, what ninth year now um um apart from that day when when there was the the you know the first day the 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 
the most missiles were uh, launched and, and hit. Um, several weeks ago, there was another like wave of like really big wave of rockets of missiles, and uh, of course everybody was was phoning everybody and like asking how how we are doing. And then there were several more waves. And then with each one, of course, there again, there's infrastructure here. There's there's people dying, unfortunately, and being injured. But um, people are kind of um, I don't I don't know if, if the words used to are, are correct, but it's like it's less and less of a oh uh, everything must be bad. It's like okay, everything is they're hitting us again. They're gonna switch the lights probably. Uh, but we're gonna make it. It's it's some it's something like this. Of course, we check on each other. Of course, we we ask how how we are at work. We have like a special chat uh, where we just you know as 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 they start to hit again, we we kind of write silly things and just try to you know distract um, each other from uh, from from bad thoughts, which helps. Um, but yeah, we we are. They're not, what I'm trying to say is they're they're not gonna. They're not going to um, achieve what they want to achieve. We're not going to be scared. We're not scared. Well, isn't it a fine line between resilience and uh, the terrible line of normal? Because nobody wants this to be normal. But at the same time, you have to be resilient. You have to be able to sort of get through that. I mean, the task ahead of you and your colleagues is to build the next version of Ukraine anyway. I mean, you that's what you were doing before this even started. So now more important than ever to keep pushing forward. So that resilience thing balanced with this, whatever we do, we, uh, we this can't become the new normal, right? So that's got to be difficult. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it, it is quite difficult. Uh, at the same time, you're absolutely right. And I mean, we're always, um, we're always, uh, you know, wondering how, like how, how, how much can, can, um, um, how adaptive can you get? Because people are are, are really getting somewhat uh, used to what is happening around. Because you're absolutely right. You have to you have to continue doing what what you're doing. You have we have to you know when um, when people uh, when our friends come back from the front lines, our colleagues, you know, our friends, our relatives, our you know, there's, there's lots of people who are serving now in the trenches as as as, it, as it's getting you know minus temperatures. Um, we. We will not have the luxury of saying, "Oh, you know, while you were fighting there, we were what sitting here and being scared." No, we have to, we have to continue working. We have to to continue doing what what we're doing in order to a help those who fight on the front lines, b uh, transform the country, and, and really, you know, not be uh, just sitting, uh, you know, um, across those who, who come back from the front line saying, "Oh, we." we we did nothing uh, while you were uh, risking your lives and, and basically giving your lives to defend us. Yeah, that's incredible context to provide for us when we're not there. So thank you for that. I think that that's remarkably clear. Uh, Mikhailo Zernikov is in Kiev. Mikhailo, can you tell me what um, – I get to see a lot of – I watch your feed on Twitter a lot, which is great for me because I get to see the context, and I use that translate this tweet quite often. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. The um, the um, I get to see some of the things that go on, and – this story about that rocket in Poland in the last, I don't know, yeah. 48 hours, I guess, hey, there there was a lot of people that seemed to be celebrating. Now, of course, nobody's celebrating the death of those two people, those two Polish people, but nobody's celebrating their death. But a lot of people seem to be on Twitter celebrating, oh, uh, now they've attacked Article 5, now they've attacked a NATO country, and now here comes the, uh, this is it, this is the tipping point. And it turns out that um, even... All the countries have said, nope, that's not what happened here. 
Um, and uh, how do Ukrainians perceive that? Because nobody wants mm-hmm. Poland in the war, I would assume. No, I mean, if I've learned anything about you Ukrainian folks is that you don't wish this on anybody, and you haven't asked anybody to fight it for you. So you wouldn't wish it on anybody. Sure but at the same at the same time, um, there seems to be this this level of this is the tipping point when the when the help finally comes and, and squashes this. So h- how does that get talked about around your friends? Well, I think this this uh, this last race, I think you you, you describe it very well. Uh, there's a lot of hope, uh, and I and I don't know how much of that is rational and how much of that is just you know. Uh, us wanting to this thing to end as as quickly as possible because that's essentially you know the hopes are like okay now there are more involved hands you know more help is coming or maybe maybe even you know the troops or whatever is you know nato article 5 whatever it is and of course we we understand you know if if you're rational about this a uh it's, it's probably not a tipping point first of all of course we don't wish this on anybody you're absolutely right um and you know poles are our you know, closest friends here, you know, they're our, our neighbor, they're helping us tremendously in this war. They're, they're, they're really, you know, they're really close friends. And, and, uh, and that's, that makes it even, you know, uh, even kind of even worse than, than it is uh, because of how close they are, uh, they are and we are. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat irrational when people see, oh, you know, it hit them, that, then probably, oh, now the missiles will be flying and like all the NATO will now squash Russia. No, it's not, it's not going to happen. We, we know it's not, you know, anybody who's at least somewhat um, um, involved or, or knowledgeable about how these things work uh, knows that it's probably not going to work this way. Uh, but also, um, now there's been different information about this missile. Is it, is it, first of all, it was Russian missile. Then it was maybe there was a Ukrainian anti-missile missile. Uh, but you know, n- nobody knows now. But then when Ukraine says, well, it, it wasn't us because according to our information, it's it's, it's not. Uh, can you please? Uh, but but let's check on this. Can you please let us also investigate and be a part of it? Uh, because you're saying it's us. At least partly, you know, everybody's saying like it's it's not our fault. Obviously, if it were not for Russian missiles, it wouldn't be there. But yeah. if you're saying it is Ukrainian, can we also go and look at it? And so far, there's no invitation. So it is it's quite strange that you know uh, on one hand we do not expect you know everybody to fight for us. That's true. On the other hand, if if certain well not accusations but certain. Um, um, if you think it's it's somewhat us, then a please please, please let us be there. B why uh, why is, is is NATO actually acting this way and not even you know Poland is not even you know let alone Article Five. Poland is not even cons- consulting the other NATO NATO countries on Article Four. So it's it's still quite unknown and still quite strange what is happening there. So let, let's let's just wait, not jump to the conclusions. Let's let's just wait for for more information. And of course, uh, and of course, get, having said all that, we'd of course to like to see at least uh, more air defense for Ukraine, for the other countries, at least more, uh, you know, fighter old fighter jets uh, that could be given to Ukraine in the beginning of this war. Now, the pilots are trained now. Ukraine has proven beyond any doubt that we're capable of handling this weapon. So please give us means to prevent further casualties in Ukraine and uh, other neighboring countries. That's that's the main point. Uh, Mikhail Zernikov in Kiev, you bring up those jets early in the war. Another uh, thread that you and I talked about early in the war 
uh, was operatives, Russian operatives inside Ukraine. There was all kinds of um, be alert, be aware, watch for suspicious people type of uh, notices that were going out from the Ukrainian government in the very beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Watch for Russians that are yeah. operatives that are moving around Ukraine, doing things, spying, all of that. Yeah. Has this renewed um, that concern? Because now I understand from what you've said and what I've read that this whole, was it a Russian rocket or not, comes from two places. They were, they've been rather definitive so far in saying it's possible it's a Russian rocket, but it wasn't fired from Russia. Was it a, an old Russian munition that was fired by Ukrainian to protect? Uh, but has that sparked any of this conversation about, well, wait a second. Are, are there more Russian operatives in Ukraine trying to do things like fire a Russian rocket from inside Ukraine? Has that, has that come up again? Well, I don't, I don't think, well, first of all, there's still a lot of Russian, um, Agents inside Ukraine, unfortunately, we've been, you know, we've been occupied by Russia, including the Soviet Union, for you know decades and, and hundreds of years, uh, and um, you know, it's it's we, we still we still have um, well, we started for real, where we started cleansing ourselves from from them just you know months ago, which which is unfortunate. You know, we wouldn't have this situation probably had we started earlier. Uh, so yes, we, we we still have a lot to do, and 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 also um, you know, including inside the judiciary, there's you know there's people with Russian passports who are Ukrainian judges, which is bizarre. We're getting rid of them, but uh, it's 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 really it's really strange. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, when I don't think it's to it, it is now to the point where somebody who is Russian can fire a has access to a Ukrainian anti aircraft and fires a rocket on Poland. That's 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 that a little bit sounds to me like a Hollywood movie. Uh, so um, I, I don't think we have. Um, um, but, but I mean, again, I'm not an expert on that. I don't think I don't know what happened, but I don't think um, something like this can happen right now because we've, we've been uh, quite successfully defending ourselves from from this kind of uh, operations. Uh, and uh, th- this one again seems, seems unlikely. It's either if it, if it is ours. Which again is not is not proven yet. Then it's probably it probably was defending, it was probably shooting the Russian missile that was coming away. If it's not, it's not. Let's just see. Scary. Either way, Mikhail Zernikov, what are you doing to uh, give yourself a break? What are you doing to take care of your heart? And uh, how with mm-hmm. uh, curfews at nighttime, with air raid sirens, and broken sleep all the time, uh, working, you know, genuinely working hard to build what this country looks like anyway. Um, what, what do you, what are you doing to take a break? I'm asking for a curiosity in general for the, the, uh-huh. the group here that's listening, but I'm also asking out of, um, just caring to see if you're taking care of yourself too. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Uh, you know, the usual stuff, uh, as, you know, be as normal as you can be, um, going to the gym, uh, you know, tr- taking care of yourself. Curfew helps by the way, because you know, you you don't go out, you know. It's by 11 p.m. You have to be back home. That means you, you get you get more sleep, which is which is all right, uh, which which is a good you know um, a good thing. Um, now, then, of course, before 11, you you can go to the bar and 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 of course you'd rather find the one that's a basement or that is underground, which which uh, you know can can serve also as a shelter if something mm-hmm. happens. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, just just li- living your normal life. Certain things are restricted. You know, you can't you can't visit your friends uh, 
on the weekend, you know, late at night, you can't go around uh, hopping from a, from a bar to bar. You, you have to be cautious. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to be in the streets in the night generally because that's uh, it is it is quite safe, but it's still war time. So it's you know you, you don't you don't want to go to you know very far away place uh, when it's dark at night, um, just in case. But but other than that, I mean. Uh, yeah, trying trying to live your life, trying to have fun, trying to save your mental health, and um, use it for the better. Um, yeah, for, for for the good, for to to make good things. When you um, when you get a full night's sleep, do you wake up? Because you, I'm assuming it's much more rare than it used to be with air raid sirens and all the things. Um, when you get a full night's sleep and you wake up in the morning, do you kind of wonder what happened a little bit? You know, sort of. You know that feeling when you. At least I get it when you when you're late for a meeting or you're late for work and you wake up and you didn't set your alarm clock and you're like, whoa, what day is it? What time is it? Yeah, um, yeah. Was that what it's like for you too when you actually do get a full night's sleep? Well, you, you, sometimes you quite often you wake up to the air raid sirens and uh, quite often and I think it's a it's another tactic used by Russia is you is they they do it early in the morning like five a.m. six a.m. and you also to to drain us and to not let us sleep uh, much so that's that's what what they're doing so sometimes it's that and you either go to the shelter or you go to 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 a place in your apartment where it has at least two walls so it protects you from you know if, if, if the boom is outside um and you know your outer wall is destroyed so the, the second one protects you so that's kind of that's that's what a lot, a lot of people are using um but yeah, uh, the first thing you do is you um, well, you look at uh, you look at the news, you look at at the chats, you look at people you care about, or you know how how long ago they have been online, and, and you know you want to know what happens. And uh, basically, reading news is and reading you know channels uh, that are you know Telegram channels, whatever, whatever messenger. Um, whatever platform uh, j- just to, to get to know what happened uh, during the night because things are happening very fast. Oh, it's, and another thing that is um, that we do when we are, say, uh, when we want to get better uh, when it comes to mental health or, or when we want to help is, you know, every time they hit or every time you, you are, you know, you're scared or insecure, you donate to the army. And that's, mm. that's a miracle thing that, that helps a lot because it helps you understand uh, or regain control and it also helps your army to better defend you. That's, right. that's what that we do. Makes total sense. Well, you take power back in your own hands, right? That's amazing. Exactly. Um, fascinating. Mikhail Zernikov is in Kiev, Ukraine. Thank you, brother. Stay safe. I appreciate you making time for us this morning. Thank you very much, Shane. Thank you for doing this. This is the Shift Podcast. Do bugs have feelings? Well, it's only one guy that we can ask that question of. That's Dr. Bugs. Dr. Bug is here, Mark Moffat, and uh, he's like the bug guy. We've had him on the shift before. He's a friend of the show. He loves the bugs. Ants actually really hold, seem to uh, carry his heart, if you will. I imagine like an ant carrying your, you know, because exactly. ants could do that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for being here, brother. It's great to see your face. Hey, Shane. So Ryan found a story. Yeah. And a story that they're in some research that maybe bees have feelings, have reacted emotionally to stressful situations. So we thought we would ask you, because for me, it's spiders. Remember, you don't you make fun of me because I don't like spiders. You like spiders. Oh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and so um, that's gross. That's why we can't be friends in real life. Um, <laughs> I'll stay to my country. Um, you stay to yours. That's fair enough. Uh, we'll uh, we'll visit as long as there's not at work. Maybe just social calls only. Uh, no visits to the work where the bugs are. Um, do bees have feelings, Mark? What's going on? Well, you know. The nervous systems of a human and the nervous systems of insects have a common ancestry if you trace it back far enough. Really? The truth is, uh, a lot of what humans do, we like to think we're rational, logical. You you look at politics and everything else, you know, maybe that's not the case. Yeah, absolutely. It's driven by emotion. Our undercurrents of everything we do is emotional, so... Why not the same for uh, the lowly insect? They're low only mm-hmm. in the sense that they're at our feet. Right. We don't know if they really look up at us or down at us. That's a, a question to ask the super smart ant someday, I hope. But, you know, yeah. they, uh, uh, I, you know, there's something called anthropomorphism. Oh my gosh! Anthropomorphism. God, spell that out. That uh, is supposedly bad. That is thinking uh, in, in animals in terms of human behavior, but right. even equally bad to not do that to the opposite. And in many okay. cases, we can decide that we can learn a lot more by thinking of animals in human terms. Uh, it's called critical anthropomorphism, and uh, that means that you actually. Think out, you get yourself into the mind of another creature and uh, figure out hypotheses about uh, what it's doing. And uh, it turns out that's what hunter-gatherers did way back in the ancient days. And there's a fellow, Louis Liebenberg, who's South African, who thinks that's the the origins of science, getting into the heads Mm. of animals and trying to figure out what they're doing in terms of even emotions. So let me tell you a quick story. I'm uh, I'm photographing an ant. I'm in Malaysia. And I get down uh, with my camera, the super high magnification lens. I imagined a really tiny little camera. Oh, (laughs) no, no, no. The ant would have a (laughs) tiny camera. I have a big one. It's, you know, I'm like uh, King Kong trying to photograph someone at the top of, uh, you know, the Empire State Building. My camera would be huge. And so it's hard for the ant to ignore it. And so I move in, I cautiously move in, and I sense that the ant detects me, and it, its body grows a little more rigid, and it turns, and I know that it's uh, annoyed, and I back up, and I hide behind uh, a tree. Well, in the case of, this case, it's a, you know, a blade of grass, and I peek out every once in a while to see when it calms down. And when I do, I can sneak forward again and get the picture. I'm behaving just as if I was photographing uh, with a hidden camera a human or maybe in the forest a jaguar. You make assumptions about the behavior of other things. And uh, those assumptions work out. They worked out for hunter-gatherers who could tell by looking at the footprint where an elephant was going and what it would do next and everything else about that elephant. So, okay, so behavior it reminds me of babies. Actually, when you say that, right? Like you're like you're the peekaboo, take a picture of the baby, right? Like that's we try to anticipate and and create 
you know, comfort. Yeah, and so we we have to make assumptions about each other all the time. I assume there's a, a brain going inside your head, and you have emotions and yeah. so forth. Maybe you're just it's pretending like a robot. I don't know. Maybe I'm Quite the only possible. real human around. But this could be. Yeah. So you know, the true the truth is, uh, it seems likely that insects do have emotions. There's a and uh, they can do a lot of things uh, we do with those emotions. There's a recent article showing that bumblebees like to play. They, yeah. uh, if you give them a little ball, they, they love to roll it around for no particular purpose. They just have a great day at it. And uh, they will go out of their way. They'll even forego having a meal to play with these uh, little rubber balls. They, what? It, why it's they need to do that? It's like human play. You just do it. Yeah, okay. I'm going to uh, I'll let you put your earphone back in there so we can get that microphone close to your mouth. The um, the um, it reminds me. So basically, bumblebees are like college students with a hacky sack is what you're saying. For no reason at all. They avoid all the work and they stand around and they kick a ball around. Uh, yeah, they will do that. The researchers uh, doing this study with these uh, bumblebees and their balls uh, initially were just trying to see if they could train the bumblebees to play with these balls or manipulate the balls in order to get food. But they didn't have to. The bumblebees just uh-huh. loved doing it. And I find that extraordinary because I wrote an article or had an interview in the American Journal of Play, for example, uh, discussing the fact that ants don't play. They're very serious. And uh, my my theory is... Why do we play, first of all? Why do we play? And the fundamental reason right. for a lot of play is to learn things socially. We interact, we figure out where we fit into the world, and we, we learn to manipulate the world. And what uh, ants don't do is they don't recognize other individual ants. They're very nationalistic. They're focused on the whole colony. So they don't have to work out all the relationships with Tom, Dick, and Harry that we do. So they don't need to play. They can be very practical. So it's quite surprising that these bumblebees play uh, because they have the same kind of lack of skill. They don't worry about Tom, Dick, and Harry. They're focused on the colony as a whole. They're very practical little creatures. Now, not to uh, get too human about it, but it's two different, very different looks at what is community, isn't it? Because, you know, protecting the community is number one in both cases. But at the same time, um, you have one that is kind of like communist, do your job and move along. And the other one, which is is a little bit more playful and interesting. And is that just the nature of the tiny little beast that they are? Or is, is that a conditioned thing that they've just learned? Or is it just wired in their DNA like well, with some other animals? You know, uh, my mentor was a fellow named E.O. Wilson. He said Karl Marx had it right. It was just for the wrong species. Ants are yeah, very much focused on the collective, getting things done for everybody. They don't worry about who in particular is their best friend. They don't have this kind of need. And because of that, they can be totally focused and they don't have to develop these kinds of relationships and they don't have to play, whether they have emotions or another thing. And so these bees turned out to play. So why are they playing? Why would you need to play? Well, another reason to play, other than figuring out how to get along with your playmates when you're young, is uh, uh, to figure out how to manipulate the world. And what bees do is have to deal with all kinds of flowers. And these flowers are elaborate traps that the bees have to open correctly to get to the honey it's a very complicated thing each one is built differently so manipulating objects 
should be the social, the, the primary skill of the bee. And that's what they're doing with these balls. They're learning to move things around and they seem to have a good time at it. And that's one of the definitions of play. You don't do something seriously. You do it uh, again and again for fun, fun reasons. And it's a voluntary thing. You're not trying to do something useful. And so this seems to be play. Oh, that's fascinating. So I imagine a, uh, I imagine a, a, maybe an ant would use a little rope ladder to uh, get their dexterity moving, kind of like a, a bee would, you know, have to navigate through all those flowers, recognize them, get in and out of them, uh, not get eaten by other things while they're doing it and all that stuff too. It's, it's fascinating. We hear an awful lot about emotions in general, right? We hear, you know, my dog is incredibly insecure, my goodness, but um, a cat all cats are just filled with hate. So um, you look at other animals and then, of course, we've all heard about dolphins. Are we talking about that kind of emotion here or are we just talking about some sort of autonomic autopilot thing that says, by the way, this will help you. This keeps you alive today that we're just giving it too much weight. Yeah, well, no, not, there's more to it than that, I think. I mean, the, one of the really interesting things when you get to study ants as much as I do, and I started in diapers, uh, which is, I mean, as a child, not, not <laughs> as a grown-up, uh, was you you got to get to know them as individuals. And when you do that, when you spend a lot of time with them watching them, and there are lots of interesting things they do. I mean, they they have wars and all these other things. So watching them is much more exciting than watching, like, don't study cows. You'll fall asleep. Watching Watch you know, ants. And, yeah, uh, you know, you'll see that there are differences from one to the other. So the ants do have personalities. They're within a group of ants. There's usually the hardworking ant that tries to motivate the other ants or these lazy ants that sit around and do nothing. And there are oh. ants that seem to become particularly skilled at one task or another. And so these personality differences are there. And they, uh, they are expressed in terms of uh, uh, things that could be looked at as emotional as well. You know, the, the problem we have with ants uh, is the same one we have with humans with uh, disabilities and moving their facial muscles. There's a, a book mm -hmm. called About Play, and it's by a, uh, a medical doctor. Uh, you'll have to look it up. I don't have the name right here. Oh, Jonathan Cole, I believe is his name. Uh, and it's, it's about face. And he talks about how people with disabilities in the face are assumed not to have emotions just because they can't move the right muscles. Right. You just turn off your ability to think that they're actually being emotional. And we actually have problems uh, registering the emotions of people of different races and so forth, which is a social right. problem. And so right. the, problem, the difficulty ants have in terms of getting our allegiance and excitement is ants have a fixed face. They don't register emotions on the face. So people like me who look at them a lot, have to watch their behaviors, see the tension in their bodies as they get angry and go on the attack. That's the way we have to register the emotions. What's actually going on there? You know, I don't know, really. But yeah. it seems likely that there's some emotions. Uh, given their yes, nervous clearly system. something going on. Yeah. Now, it's probably a philosophy conversation, but it does make me think, are, are the feelings the same as fear? And uh, so that, that gets curious to me because this protect yourself thing, we're talking about communities. Um, the storyline was that uh, bumblebees were playing, that bumblebees could have emotions. That's how this all started. Dr. Bug is our guest here. Uh, Mark, when we, when, when we talk about this, these are community-based 
uh, species that are living in a community, if we flip that script to a spider that is incredibly independent, do we see the same sort of scenario of play? Has there been any evidence that you're aware of that these really independent bugs that aren't in community go through that same sort of rehearsal process of navigating their way? Uh, it's hard to say that anyone's really studied play in something like a spider. Uh, there's something that you can practice. That's a little too practical to be called play, but it's a way we manipulate the world and learn from it when we're young as well. And it certainly is part of play. You practice being the doctor or, you know, being the astronaut or whatever you imagine. Right. Uh, the really cool thing about spiders is, uh, been shown to be similar to uh, uh, marmoset monkeys. If you put a marmoset monkey in a cage with nothing in it, uh, just a simple bar for them to, to sit on, and release them into the wild years later, they have a lot of trouble wandering through the forest. They can't figure out how to move through a forest. Uh, but if you put them in a cage with all kinds of limbs and branches and everything, they learn how to move in three dimensions and understand the world. And it turns out it's the same with something called a jumping spider. A jumping spider, they're all over your backyard in the summer. They're all everywhere. They eat mosquitoes. You should be grateful for them. They're really smart mm -hmm. and interesting. Uh, but if they grow up and you put them in a cage where you don't give them anything to walk around in, they have trouble navigating in the real world. They have to experience nature and natural settings to understand and manipulate things in the real world. So that is something that kids do when they're manipulating things. You know, everything that they touch is manipulated. That's how they learn. And it's not, it's a, sometimes a little bit more serious than play, but it's really more or less in the same direction as play. So I would call it play if you like. Yeah, practice. That's interesting. And I would assume, now this is my uneducated look at it, spiders are always building webs, so therefore probably always practicing whether they need it or not. Yeah, no, you uh, go out there day after day and, and keep building the web. Now, I don't actually know if they improve over time. Uh, right. That web making, that would be interesting to study. Maybe someone's studying it. There are ants that go out and forage every day. And uh, they might take a certain part of the terrain around the nest and, and they actually get to know it better over time. So they get more efficient at getting finding food and bringing it back. So that's that's their job. And uh, it's hmm. part of, again, a part of exploring the world. Do you ever talk to them when you're um, observing them? Hey there, Mr. No, Anthony. I don't need to talk to them. You know, they use pheromones and, you know, my pheromones are very unpleasant to smell, so I keep them to myself. <laughs> yeah, <I> first... <laughs> yeah, so uh, so one of the most fun examples of play, though, is in the the rat. I'm not. I don't. I live in New York. You probably don't have rats where you are, but we have we them don't. here. Yeah. Well, we don't here, but we do in some of the other broadcast cities uh, that we broadcast <laughs> in. So Fairball. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was a guy, Yak Panksep, who was in the University of. Uh, Washington State University, and he studied rats, all kinds of things about rats, and every day he would reach in and he'd get to know the rats, and he began to realize that if he played with the rats for a while, that uh, they'd become very friendly, friendly with him, and he would touch them, and they'd roll over in their backs and wiggle a lot. And he thought, well, this is weird, and eventually he said, well, I'm going to stick my microphone in there and see what's going on, and guess what? They were laughing. They had a high-frequency laugh. 
Really? They, like rolling over, rub your belly, laughing tickling. hard, laughing. They were being tickled. No and uh, it's a high-frequency kind of sound, so you wouldn't pick it out without a microphone, special microphone. But, you know, once they enjoyed getting tickled, they'd seek out the hand that they knew tickled. And the, the wrong person put their hand in, they wouldn't get anywhere close to it. But they knew hands, and they knew his hand, and they got very excited to uh, spend time with his hand. And he, he figured out all kinds of things about this behavior, this uh, joy that they expressed. And one is that uh, if you put a serious rat that didn't like to be tickled and a, a male serious rat and a male rat that liked to be tickled, sense of humor rat, in with a female, the female would always choose the, 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 the rat with the sense of humor. Let's just put it that yes. way. Believe it or nice. not. That's the I do works. believe it. It seems to work that way all, always, doesn't it? This is fascinating. Um, okay, so play is a part of life. I think that's a good lesson that we can take from the bugs today. If we're not playing, are we really living? This would be that whole um, living or alive conversation, Mark. We could get really deep on it. Oh, that. yeah. Well, you know, if you're going to be a scientist, you have to play. If play is about understanding and manipulating the world. We keep doing that as we get older and older. Then you're a scientist. Sorry, you're gonna have to study. You're gonna have to get a job at a university. Then I'm sorry. No, oh, man, more work. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Moffat is Doctor Bug. Thank you, brother, for being here and sharing these insights. It's always great to chat with you. Thanks, Shane. Pl- a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. 